Wasn't that cool? I love Christmas music. Rachel, did you want to get up on your toes on some of that? <laughs> uh, th- these are the hol- holiday holiday flutes. The holiday flutes. And they played tonight. They played this morning. And it's not just this holiday that they're going to play for. I was just informed that they're going to play for us every holiday. Isn't that pretty cool? Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, I can hardly believe that it is Christmas Eve. Um, It has been yet another whirlwind December, but it is here finally. And we are here to celebrate and to worship the child that was born this night in a manger. I hope that this will be a truly meaningful time for you as we turn our our thoughts to Christ. Um, We will not be pausing between each part of our service. I will be introducing some things there, but if you um, are participating, uh, if each of our participants will be in place and ready um, when your time comes, we would appreciate that. Uh, But let us just begin with Christmas blessings upon each of you. And may the joy of this night fill your hearts. reading for tonight comes from Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David 
because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. It's the word of the Lord. On this most holy day, we light the four candles in our Advent wreath. And we are reminded of the expectation, preparation, proclamation, and revelation of His coming. Now we light the Christ candle. We rejoice that the promise of God has been fulfilled in coming the baby born in the manger. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious and mighty King, we celebrate your goodness to us as we join the triumph and joy of Christmas. As your love has been revealed in all of its fullness, we pray that love may abound in our hearts during this special day. Grant us the Spirit of Christ that we may live in the fullness of His character every day. In His name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, Sydney. Brett, beautiful. There's a reading uh, that speaks of the gifts to the, to the Christ child, and in part it, said, it says, If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? I'll give him my heart. And that, of course, is the most important thing that we can give to our Savior. Uh, and that's what God wants most from us, our hearts. But one way that we can demonstrate that God has our hearts is our generosity with our money, with our time, and with our possessions, and with our talents. Uh, we want to offer you the opportunity tonight to, to bring your gift to the Christ child. Uh, there's none too large, none too small. And we have the manger here uh, sitting in front. And it is our invitation to you as we hear the offertory uh, being played in a moment to bring your gift and to lay it in the manger as your offering to God.
I'll be reading from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, entitled, The Word Became Flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life. And the light was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into him, being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. This is the Word of the Lord.
Oops. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but uh, sorry, Brianna. It was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. A child's letter to God. Dear God, did you think Christmas would turn out like this when you started it? Love, Wendy, age seven. What a profound question from, from such a small child. And it makes us wonder, did God foresee the way things have turned out? Did God foresee the crowded malls and the raucous office parties and the people congratulating themselves for giving and for receiving extravagant gifts? Did God foresee the stores displaying Christmas products beginning in September to capitalize on the windfalls that this season brings to them? Did God foresee all of this? And did God send God's Son in spite of it all? If that's the case, then that really tells us how much God really loves us, doesn't it? My friends, so much of the way that we celebrate Christmas today is so out of line with the spirit of that first Christmas. And so let me suggest that we just savor for a few moments the beauty of that night this Christmas Eve. Let's ponder some of the precious elements of that story that are so important to us. And let's begin with this humble couple and their baby. Joseph and Mary make their way to Bethlehem to register for the census that Emperor Augustus decreed. The prophet Micah revealed that Bethlehem would be the place where the Messiah would be born. And so, thanks to this census, it was. Now, Bethlehem was just a small town. It's about six miles outside of Jerusalem. And to be honest with you, there wasn't much to it. Bethlehem was little more than a hole in the road. Not even one stoplight. Just a country store with one gas pump, a boarding house, and a few houses, a few homes scattered around. But the important thing about Bethlehem was that it was the city of David. And the Messiah was prophesied to be one of David's descendants. So Mary and Joseph made their way to Bethlehem to be counted in the census. But unfortunately, others had come to be registered as well, and they'd gotten there first. And as a result, the boarding house was full. And so since they couldn't find a place to stay, they took shelter in a stable. And while they were there, their baby was born. There, in the stench, in the unsanitary conditions of that stable, they lay their baby in a feed trough with a little bit of hay in it. Now, for the rest of the world, that was no big deal. Babies are born every day. And of course, nothing big ever happens in Bethlehem, right? But for those of us who call that baby their Savior, this was the most important event in the history of the world. You see, something did happen in Bethlehem that night, and the entire world was changed because of it. And so our story begins with this young family seeking shelter in a barn and a baby being born who would change the destiny of the world. 
Then the story moves to a group of shepherds on a hillside who were the first to find out about the birth of the Messiah with the angels coming. And, and if you think about it, this just proves that God has a sense of humor and a sense of irony. I mean, if there is a more humble occupation in the world than that of shepherd, I don't know what it is. Their role in life is to be the guardians to a bunch of smelly, stupid sheep. It didn't require a whole lot of training, just a little bit of common sense and and a little bit of courage. And only God would glorify such a lowly occupation as a shepherd. Doug Gowen says that shepherds were the lowest on the social totem, totem pole. They were a common people, a despised class with a bad reputation. Shepherds were known as thieves because they moved around a lot. And every time they moved, they got confused about what was mine and what was yours. They were all thought of as untrustworthy They weren't even allowed to give testimony in a courtroom because their word was not, could not be considered trusted. And the nature of their work made it impossible for them to to keep the, the Jewish laws of cleanliness. And so they were also considered to be ritually unclean and unacceptable. Michael Frost notes that the term sinner was used by religious authorities to describe several types of people whom they considered to be unacceptable. And among them were tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers, Gentiles, and of course, shepherds. But then Frost says... It becomes obvious in any study of the life of Jesus that he had a preference for people like that. You ever thought of that? He had a preference for people like that. It was rumored that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus touched and healed lepers. He even valued the faith of a Gentile centurion above everyone else's. And so... It was fitting that his birth should be attended by such, quote, sinners as these shepherds. These were his people. These were Christ's people. And and I think that this should be a word of comfort to any one of us who consider ourselves to be sinners. And I think that means all of us. Imagine that. God takes the lowliest of people and lifts them up, granting them the responsibility to witness and to proclaim the good news of Christ's birth. And I think that this is the best good news that any of us could have on this Christmas Eve. So be careful who you shut out and ignore. Be careful who you turn away from your door. Be careful who you you snub at school or in your neighborhood or on your job. Because if there's one thing that Christmas teaches us is that you never know. You never know. God chooses the strangest places and the most unlikely people to do God's work. But there's one more thing about Christmas that we need to see tonight. And that is that it, it is through this baby of Bethlehem that God has made God's self available to us. 
My friends, we no longer have to worship God from afar. God is available to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is a very significant truth. We have available to us the majesty and the glory of God. We have available to us an an inward assurance and a peace which extravagant gifts can't give to us. And we can experience not only Christ's birth, but our own rebirth as new persons. But only if we open our hearts to the presence of Christ in our lives. Only if we welcome God's Spirit into our lives. And only if we allow God to become a part of our, our very being. Pastor Martin Niemöller affirmed this truth in Dachau Prison on Christmas Day of 1944. You might uh, know his story. You might recall that Pastor Niemöller uh, was imprisoned by Hitler because he refused to, to stand down. He continued his proclamation of the truth of God in the face of an evil, evil regime and challenged them. And so he was put into this concentration camp because of it. But on this holy day, on Christmas Day of 1944, he was allowed to hold a a worship service for some of the prisoners. Most of them would never leave that place. Most of them had been tortured by their captors. Others would yet to be tortured and die there. And so what do you say? As a pastor, what do you say to a people living in a hopeless condition like that, a hopeless situation like that? Well, Nehemiah preached on the text that says, His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. His message was that they were not alone. Even in spite of the place that they were in this terrible situation, they were not alone. That God was with them. God was with them even there to comfort them and to strengthen them in their time of persecution. And they could be certain of this, he said, because in Jesus Christ, God is with us. That's the message that we need to take into every prison, into every nursing home, into every hospice, into every addiction center, and into every hospital in this land. And and it is also something that we need to take into every home, from the finest mansion to the lowest shack. Emmanuel, God is with us. That's what Christmas is all about. And that's why we're here tonight, isn't it? We are here to affirm that message that may seem absurd to the rest of the world, but it is the greatest truth that those who follow Jesus can affirm. God can touch ordinary people and turn their lives into something beautiful. Because a baby was born in that insignificant little town called Bethlehem. And that baby was Emmanuel. God with us. So thank God for that night. Thank God for God's love for each of us. Thank God for Emmanuel. Thank God that God became available for each of us on that Christmas night. Thank God that God is with us 
always. Emmanuel. Amen. Let us join together in the celebration of God's presence, Emmanuel, through God's Son, and in the recognition of just how much He loves us, that He would even give His life for us. John tells us that there is no greater love than this, that one would lay down his or her life for a friend. And my friends... We are privileged to be considered God's friends. And so as we commune together, let us remember the price that He paid for our friendship. We are all welcome at God's table. We will have communion together in just a moment. And everyone is welcome at God's table because God came for all of us. We will begin in the back and come to the front. Our deacons will be here. Someone will be on each side with uh, with bread. And you'll take a piece of bread and move to the side and then dip it into the cup. And then eat the bread that has the, the blood of the cross on it. And then return to your seats along the side. If you can't come forward or if you prefer a traditional form of uh, communion, then you can just stay seated and we can have deacons that will come to you and serve you at your, your seat. But we invite you all to share in this time of communion together as we recognize that God is with us, that Christ is with us, and we remember what He has done for us. Our deacons can come and prepare for our communion. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks. He said, this is my body that is broken for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he gave thanks. He said, this is the blood of a new covenant that I shed for you. He said, take and eat this bread and take and drink this cup. For as often as you eat this bread and as often as you drink this cup, you'll remember the Lord's death until He comes. That's why we are here tonight, is to remember not only the Lord's birth, but what that led to, the Lord's death and the Lord's resurrection. That's what brings us hope. 
and that's what fulfills us as God's people. So we invite you now to come and to share in communion together as we remember.
I think next year. You need to put a little space <laughs> between that and me. Thank you. We lit, we have, through the weeks of Advent, we have been lighting candles to represent and to prepare for the coming of Christ. We began by lighting a candle of joy and then peace and then hope. And this morning we we lit the candle of love. And then just a few moments ago we lit the Christ candle, commemorating and celebrating the coming of Christ at Christmas time. It is significant that we represent the advent of Christ through the lighting of a candle. Because John tells us that in Christ was life, and that life, that life was the light of all mankind. So you see, we who have placed our faith in this child, this God-man, we have ourselves become children of God and recipients of God's light. But we are not to keep the light of Christ to ourselves. Jesus himself said, Who takes a light and hides it under a bushel basket? That makes no sense. Nor does it make any sense for us to take the light and just relish in it uh, in a celebration like this and, and not take it out into the open. And so we're going to symbolically do something now to represent something that I hope that we do every day. We're going to take the light of God, the light of Christ, the light that God has given to us through the Christ child. And we're going to carry it out into the world. I'm going to light my candle from the Christ candle here, representing the light that Jesus has brought to us. And that small flame will be multiplied as it is passed from person to person, from road to road. And as we leave this place tonight, I hope that each of us will take that light of Christ with us into a world in need of that light.
May you exult in the joy of the Christ child whose birth we celebrate tonight. May you find the peace that you are looking for. And may the Prince of Peace always rule your life. May the love of God be with you. And may each of you be filled with the light of Christ, showing you the way of salvation, that you may know that light, and that you may share that light through your words, your deeds, your love. Merry Christmas, everyone.